glorious humans, gentle ladies, ladmen, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host JM. And hello, I'm your co-host Robbie. And, and together, oh, uh, we are uh, the <laughs> f- fucking <laughs> forecast. <laughs> Whoa! This is our fifty-second episode, JM. That's right. One and whole according year. According to the Mayan calendar, that's a year. Yeah, one whole year. So mm-hmm. we've done this entire podcast in lockdown, effectively. Hmm. Yes, we have. Yeah, no. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I got my first mRNA shot yesterday. Wow. Yeah. I uh, I haven't had anything stabbed in me at all, um, which is quite unfortunate. Depending on which way you look at it, have you tried Grinder? Mm. Moving right along, we have a guest this week, JM, and it's a very special one. I'm very excited about this guest. Well, it, uh, you should be, uh, I am. because we've been doing this for a year, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've talked about this person. Uh, Everybody talks about this guy. Yeah. Uh, and we thought, well, we talk about him so much behind his back that maybe mm-hmm. it's about time we said all of those things to his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we couldn't do that, so we're going to do it on the forecast instead. How does that sound? Mm-hmm. That sounds great, Robbie. Uh, have you got any guesses as to who this person is? Robbie, my first guess is going to be my last guess. I'm going to guess that this is going to be the brash young intern, Nigel Lowry. Correct. So brash. So young. Here he is. Nigel Lowry. Lowry. Welcome to the forecast. Man, just glad glad to be here. Uh, Seamless technical transition into podcasting for myself. This is my first podcast. I mean, I think you've actually improved our uh, production by at least 10 times. Audacity. A free program available at audacityteam.org. And it's, it's been a thrill. It's been a, thr- it's been a roller coaster already. And we're just getting started. Well, we're here to rock your world. So right, please start. strap in, mister. Please start. <laughs> My world is ready to be rocked. So, Nigel, uh, for the folks listening at home, uh-huh. who are you relative to Devolver, uh, and what is it that you do relative to Devolver? Relative to Devolver, I am an employee at Devolver. I, um, I, I'm one of the spiritual leaders of the marketing department. Um, mm-hmm. Don't do a lot, but spiritually and emotionally, I'm there to support folks like yourself, Jam and Robbie. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have been here from the start. Um, unpaid intern for two years, and then as soon as I got paid, I rocketed to the the top of the org chart of five people. Uh, not the top, I guess it was still the still at the bottom of that org chart, but it was <laughs> it was there. I was on the radar, and I was getting paid at one point. But yeah, started from the from the bottom. Now I'm here on the forecast. Oh, we should clarify that you were paid for a limited amount of time, um, and then we took you off payroll. Yeah. No, there's the the incident. But yeah. <laughs> but legally you're not supposed to bring that up. I'm sure you're gonna scrub this in post. And now I'm 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 paid well to continue my job here at the Devolver Digital. 
what were you doing before you single-handedly created Devolver Digital? Um, I appreciate the lie, and I'm not going to acknowledge it. Um, I mean, there's a decent amount of masturbating, to be honest with you. Um, That's what video games are. Yeah, um, but job-wise, which, again, wasn't being paid for the masturbation. That was totally pro bono. I... Hey-o. Hey, oh, I, uh, I, I started out in advertising. I was in, I worked at an ad agency in Dallas and then another one, uh, well, really all in Dallas. And then I, then I got whisked away by Harry, Graham, Rick, and Mike to work at Gamecock Media Group, uh, lesser known indie publishing label. I moved to Austin and that folded as soon as I got there, which was awesome. <laughs> um, which is really great. Um, and then went back to advertising while we kind of uh, plotted out the, the next course of action, which ultimately ended up to be Devolver. So wait, so you joined Gamecock, which folded immediately, mm-hmm. and then you and then you you actually went back to advertising. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I worked at a small ad agency. I needed a job. When I the day that I left, the day that I was asked to leave and not come back from Gamecock Media Group. I happened to be the day, poorly chosen day, which I was going to propose to my wife. So I proposed to her um, that night, and she's like, cool, you don't have a job, right? I'm like, yeah, no, no job. (laughs) So the first order of business was to get a job, and the only thing I knew was uh, the aforementioned masturbating and then advertising. (laughs) And again, not going to get paid for the first, so I need to get paid for the second. There's a lot of transferable skills there, though. Yeah, for sure. It's a masturbatory industry. Uh, that's what they say about advertising. It's all ego. Um, so I went and worked at a, an agency here in Austin uh, for really what was supposed to be six months. It ended up being three years. Um, and if anyone's listening from that agency, I apologize for what to say next. But I, I eventually set up a two, I had two laptops on my desk at, at a certain point in time, about a year into that, uh, at, that at that agency. And, and one laptop was my, my day job. And the second laptop was uh, working on Sirius Sam HD and Sirius Sam 3 for, for the then very young Devolver. Um, wasn't getting, no one, we weren't paying ourselves, but we were still working on those games to hopefully start a business. So I actually did work at that agency for quite some time while also doing Devolver. Wow. got to be illegal. <laughs> when did you actually go full time with Devolver then? Man, I can't say that I really remember. Um, it was, you know, I think Devolver's technically started in 2009. And I think it wasn't until like 2000 and maybe 10 or 11, some point in there, um, which I think Sirius Sam 3 had just come out or is about, to, I think it just come out and it did well. And we were like, hey, look, we actually have, uh, we have money so we can do other things. Um, so I believe, I believe it was something right before Series Sam 3 maybe came out, um, something like that. And we, so were you responsible for doing the, all the marketing back then? Yes. Uh, Mike Graham and I kind of tag team it, but that was my like sole responsibility was, yeah, figuring out things like trailers and what we're going to do here and there for, for PR and, and writing press releases and, and working with, I think at that point it was really just Tinsley, uh, PR agency. But yeah, that was, that was my role as marketing back then too. There wasn't a whole lot else to do. Oh, actually I got to do a lot of production, which I didn't know what I was doing. 
um, at all, <laughs> literally at all. For the, until Andrew joined, I, I, I was ostensibly the producer in a lot of ways. And like, I think it was Hotline Miami 1, I had to submit to PlayStation, which was a, a tr- an absolute train wreck. I uh, had to have the, the port team on the phone, as I said, what button am I press now, okay? Because all, all, the, all the accounts were set up with Devolver and not the, the port team. Therefore, I sat there and, you know, okay. And I don't think it was like, I don't, I'm not saying this is pre-screen sharing, but I don't think it was that easy. So I was just like reading out loud what options I had. And they said, click this, 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 this. I was like, okay, and then now what? And then it would take, you know, two hours to upload the build. So I did a little bit, a little light production, a little light production and QA back in the day. <laughs> Wow. But now we have scores of people, hundreds of people that do production and QA now. So I'm not The drones. Mm hmm. Algorithms and cloud computing, <laughs> and neural networks. They all do that now. <laughs> I guess that was it. Is that, was that the only questions you really had prepared for that's this it. one? Okay. That's the That's the podcast. Uh, thanks I, so I much prepared for a time. series of haikus. Go for it. I love haikus. I don't. I don't really know what a haiku is, to be honest with you. I know it's a Japanese <laughs> poem. That's uh, yeah. That's uh, that's all that really counts. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just excited. Uh, you're one of my favorite people. I think you are one of the funniest people I've ever met. Man, uh, that's so nice of you to say. You're such a liar. But go ahead. It's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, I realize that most of your humor is directly ripped out of The Simpsons Golden Age. Yeah, I'm fine <laughs> with that. For sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, and that's, you know, that was the funniest show, so I'm I'm fine with that. All right, yeah, then. I well, I have a question. Robbie, raise your hand. Go ahead. From the Golden Age of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we're talking, we're talking, what, season three... Three season three through nine. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. right. What is the best episode? Lisa the vegetarian. (laughs) Um, And that's not even. I mean, it's hard to answer because there's a lot of things you could answer, and you would be right. You could say, "Well, this is my favorite of the best." But I think pound for pound, that is the best episode of The Simpsons ever because of it's hilarious. But it also was very heartwarming and like very uh, interesting and like I don't know the way Lisa's approaching her problem and the way she goes about trying to change other people's minds. The lesson she learns and the lesson other people learn is great. I think it's the best Simpsons episode ever. I mean, Monorail is certainly up there, but like oh, yeah. Lisa the Vegetarian is great. And I, I I would even distill it down to even though it doesn't even star most of the, the the central cast. The greatest just little stretch of like two minutes in Simpsons history is in that episode, and that's a school film in which <laughs> they're watching about why you should eat meat. And it is just like, you know, in a boxing match at the end of the match before someone's about to fucking go down, and the other guy's just like, just punch, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> like that little stretch of the school film, it is just the funniest mm-hmm. thing I've ever seen in my life. I, used yeah. to, I can't quote anymore. But I used to be able to quote it. And if we want to drill down even further, if you want to go down even deeper, one more level, Inception style, within that film, when Troy McClure, I guess mm-hmm. it is, says, just the ask the scientician. Oh, no. And he says, no, no, it's just ask the scientician. And the word scientician 
It's you know obviously so fake, and then they have the just the the idea to cut to this guy. He goes uh, and then back to the clerk <laughs> who says, and he'll tell you and fills in the rest. I feel like that's the most forward-looking thing of like how we're going to handle science in the future. Like <laughs> just make stuff up. So, anyways, to answer your question, it's it's Lisa Vegetarian, the school film, and the Scientician line. They're all so good. Actually, hold on, I'm going to back up. There's two parts because there's also the Scientician and the genius of the food chain. Once it yeah. shows like it shows something legitimately eat something else, then it shows like a hawk pick up a cheetah, and then it has a gorilla reaching for a banana over a river, in which a shark reaches and eats that. And it's like, like I said, it's just a it's just a flurry of punches, comedy punches. It's the fucking funniest thing I ever seen. Oh, there's I the picture it. of the food chain where there's a picture yeah, of a human pointed, and then yeah, every yeah. animal in the world. <laughs> funny funny story. I ripped that off in. Uh, I ripped that off. So. There was a small time before, like, as Devolver was starting, but certainly not anything that was for sure going to happen, I decided to uh, try and my hand at, like, running a small or being a one-man, um, like, marketing agency for indie video games. And I actually got a few few things under my belt before I had abandoned that for Devolver, right? And uh, it was called, what did, we, what did I call that at the time? Oh, it was called uh, Nakatomi Heavy Manufacturing Concern. <laughs> was part Die Hard and part uh, Simpsons because mm-hmm. uh, the Japanese company was something like Heavy Manufacturing Concern. It was the Japanese company that made the light bulb that looked like Homer or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it was called Nakatomi Heavy Manufacturing Concern. And um, we did something for Retro City Rampage. We did a really good video with uh, Kirk and Will. You know... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. for them jam did a really funny trailer for for that game and then i also ripped off that food chain from the simpsons because there was another it was a mobile game in which uh you were like i think it's like little girls running around and surviving and every animal was out there to get you i don't i don't really remember the game to be honest it wasn't that good but i ripped off that scene because we, we, for like a, a, a still image or like an art piece the key art piece we did we had her in the middle and then all the enemies around it and all the arrows were pointing to her and it said something about food chain or something like that. So I actually ripped nice. off The Simpsons, like everybody. Um, Simpsons anyways. did it. Yeah, Simpsons did it first. But I like blatantly did it. It was looking back on it, it's really bad that I it's just <laughs> should have been called out and publicly. That you got away with it. Mm-hmm. Got away with it because no one ever saw it. We got him, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the tape. Move in. About to get swatted. Remember, you are recording this locally, so you do need to send us that Yeah, file. I'm legally obligated <laughs> to send it via audacity.org. Good morning, class. A certain agitator, for privacy's sake, let's call her Lisa S. No, that's too obvious. Uh, let's say L. Simpson. Uh, has raised questions about certain school policies. So, in the interest of creating an open dialogue, sit silently and watch this film. Nothing beats a stroll in cattle country. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such educational films as 2 minus 3 equals negative fun and Firecrackers, the silent killer. Mr. McClure? Oh, hello, Bobby. Jimmy, I'm curious as to how meat gets from the ranch to my stomach. Whoa, 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 slow down, Jimmy. You just asked a mouthful. It all starts here in the high-density feedlot. Then when the cattle are just right, it's time for them to graduate from Bovine University. 
on, Jimmy. Let's take a peek at the killing floor. <gasps> Don't let the name throw you, Jimmy. It's not really a floor. It's more of a steel grating that allows material to sluice through so it can be collected and exported. Getting hungry, Jimmy? Uh, Mr. McClure, I have a crazy friend who says it's wrong to eat meat. Is he crazy? No, just ignorant. You see, your crazy friend never heard of the food chain. Just ask this scientician. Uh, He'll tell you that in nature, one creature invariably eats another to survive. <laughs> Don't kid yourself, Jimmy. If a cow ever got the chance, he'd eat you and everyone you care about. Mr. McClure, I was a grade-A moron to ever question eating meat. <laughs> yes, you were, Jimmy. Yes, you were. Um, you're hurting me. They can't seriously expect us to swallow that tripe. Now is a special treat courtesy of our friends at the Meat Council. Please help yourselves to this tripe. <laughs> My crazy friend here hasn't heard of the food chain. Yeah, Lisa's a grade A moron. <laughs> when I grow up, I'm going to Bovine University. How did Audacity get away with this .org business? Come on, this has got to be commercial endeavor. Although I didn't pay anything for it, so I guess it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Robbie, I'm a Hank Scorpio. I'm a Hank Scorpio guy. Oh yeah, mm. dude. absolutely. You only move twice. That's a great Is that the it is the one episode of The Simpsons that guaranteed... Okay, there's this and there's one other episode where if... No matter where I am, what I'm doing, if if I'm skimming <laughs> channels or I'm in a, in a building and that episode is on TV, I will stop everything to watch oh, that. Yeah. That has oh, another that moment. JM and I have, <laughs> have shared this moment quite a bit. Um, and I, I like to throw it out there in the conversation, like a Simpsons quote or whatever and then it does not work with anyone but jm and now possibly you robbie uh is when he asks about uh where to get a hammock and he hank scorpio lists off all those hammock places and then he goes you know what yeah. they're all down in the hammock district in the hammock. that's so great the idea that there's a hammock district and he just corrects himself it's like just go anywhere down there and do it that's genius yeah. Or when, I never uh, even handed you my jacket. <laughs> That's an amazing one. I nearly went. So Gav, um, you guys know Gav Murphy. Mm-hmm. So he's made um, video games. Him and his uh, his uh, friends did a Simpsons, uh, Hall- Treehouse of Horror um, <laughs> Halloween quiz night. And it was uh, Simpsons fancy dress. So everyone went down there in Simpsons fancy dress. And I was going to go. I couldn't go in the end. But my outfit was going to be Hank Scorpio with his jacket on backwards. (laughs) That was going to be my my Halloween costume. That's great. (laughs) I love it. He's the best. Uh, Hi, Homer. What can I do for you? Sir, I need to know where I can get some business hammocks. Hammocks? My goodness, what an idea. Why didn't I think of that? Hammocks. Homer, there's four places. There's the Hammock Hut. That's on third. Uh-huh. There's Hammocks or Us. Got that's it. on third, too. You got Put Your Butt There? 
Mm-hmm. That's on third. Yeah. Swing low, sweet chariot. Right. Matter of fact, they're all in the same complex. It's the hammock complex down on third. Oh, the hammock district. That's right. Ready for the link up, Mr. Scorpio. Uh, homework. One second. I got to take care of this. Very important. Be right back. Fine. Oh, you know the Simpsons is still on TV. They're still making new ones. It's amazing. It's so fucked, it's man. So I can't awful. believe that it's shit. The fucking worst. <laughs> oh, you know. Speaking of, you know, careers that have gone on too long. Mm. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to you, Nigel. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, what was uh, the first after you after Serious Sam, and I guess Hotline Miami? It sounds like was one of the next games that you started working on. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it ended up. I have to. I'd have to look at the the timeline, and I'm already leaning back in my chair, so it's too hard for me to lean forward and look this up while we're talking. <laughs> but. We got introduced. It was it's it's we 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 talk a lot of, a lot of in the history whenever this comes up of Devolver. I think one of the most interesting things is like just you know the Devolver I think is very much built on relationships and, and friends and as you guys know friends with the developers we work with like not just like business transactions but you know really getting to know people and friends and 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 that that leads to success other places like one one relationship leads to another. And when we were doing Serious Sam 3, one of the ideas was to, hey, Serious Sam has always been in this kind of an OG indie game. And so let's take the franchise and reach out to um, this, you know, our fascination with, of, with the, the, the trend at the time or the rise of the kind of small indie, true indie developers. And, and we got a hold of a few folks and one of them was Rami and JW from Vlambeer, excuse me, and because uh, they had done Super Crate Box. I think that was maybe it at the time. But I reached out and Ed asked, hey, would you guys be interested in making a small Serious Sam game as part of this kind of marketing slash real game for sale thing we want to do? And they made um, Serious Sam the Random Encounter, and there's a whole separate story there as they kind of pitched us thinking uh, there's no way they'll say yes. And our dumbasses said yes, and so we did uh, Serious Sam the Random Encounter. So we got to know JW and Rami, and then we did, um, at the same time after that, they, they pitched us Luftrausers, which we did with them, and um, around that same kind of in a window, uh, JW said, hey, I have a friend, Jonathan, that has this game, uh, Jonathan Soderstrom, Cactus, as he went by, uh, has this game that I think you should check out um, it was actually interesting. It was, he was interested, he was introducing me for a, a different game than what became Hotline Miami. Like literally just a totally different game. It was a game that was had, I think it won an IGF, was up for an IGF and he never released it kind of commercially and, and JW, I think said he should, you know, thought he should do so and that we could help. And then, so by the time, um, Jonathan had re- replied back, he's like, I actually have a different game called Cocaine Cowboys. And, uh, that, that ultimately, you know, became Hotline Miami. And so, it's funny how, you know, Series Sam led to the random encounter, which led to, you know, working with Lambier, which led to Hotline Miami. And then, like, it keeps spinning up from there. Like, that tree will keep going. Like, you know, Hotline Miami then led to Bro Force because of the work we did there. And that leads to this, and that leads to this. And, like, you know, I mean, every every kind of major hit we have is usually because of some sort of association. Katana Zero because of Gungeon, and, you know, uh, Loop Hero because of Katana Zero. Like, we can follow all that track throughout um and it's pretty interesting to see how you know this the 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 question you had was referencing earlier like you know what games did you work on but it always strikes me as like these are all related in some Mm -hmm. way for the most part but what's your favorite one 
My favorite one. I got a favorite one. I'm not. I'm not scared of your fucking tough questions. Your Wait fastballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the least favorite one. I can tell you that too. Uh, my favorite one. My favorite game we've ever done, and that's really. That's tough. I would. I'd probably say Hotline Miami, um, for just a lot of reasons. I think a lot of them are emotional. You know, there was a lot mm-hmm. of um, like early working like not like you know not knowing what what you're doing at all and then trying Mm -hmm. to do it and the next thing you know you know it's like winning awards and it's the sales and and all those things so i think that was like the best my favorite experience still i'd say Mm -hmm. um game wise i still you know adore it um but yeah that's probably it i'd say hotline miami yeah it's difficult to sort of untie the you know the the history of that game with devolver they're just so it's impossible yeah yeah like one could have only happened with the other it feels like yeah that's exactly right yeah absolutely do you would you say that that kind of uh experience early on sort of shaped the way that you approach you know the the evolution, air quotes of Devolver over the years, and and which developers you work with, and how you how basically how you wanted to operate. Yeah, no doubt. I think that it certainly. I think it said a lot of things. You know, when I, I don't know, they show those graphics of like plagues breaking out or whatever, and they're like all these little inflection points and then spread other places. Like that's. I think that's the game you'd have to point to because it it showed from a commercial standpoint that something that was very what you maybe say art house or very eclectic or whatever it is could still have commercial appeal. Which I'm not sure you know there was that many games prior to that um, that could have that proved that out. Right? They could have a critical mm-hmm. success, commercial success, and in video games, a cultural success. You know that that influenced a lot of games uh, yeah. after it. Um, in some form or fashion, whether it be music or game design or just what was possible. And then that also becomes, you know, a somewhat of a barometer for the next few years, at least, of what we were looking for and sometimes chasing, you know, um, yeah. uh, to, to maybe a, to a negative degree. But, like, I think that it definitely looked at you understood that, hey, there could be an – it's not about just the the classic engineer making a game – you know, or the coder making a game that got some good artists and, you know, hey, this came together. It really, to me, was like, wow, this there's, there's, you know, in a lot of ways, Jonathan was, you know, he's a, he's a genius in some game design stuff, right? And you look at it and, like, this person had a vision. And at the same time, like, it allowed, we, we, it, it, I think it really hammered down the idea that we should let these artists do what they do. Because if, if, we got too heavy-handed to Hotline Miami. We would have ruined it, right? <laughs> um, absolutely, right? And just letting them make the game that they needed to make uh, free of our interference you know, is what made it what it is. Like, there's kind of a... There's an, almost an inside joke to it um, that has been said before, but I'll say it here. You know, they would ask for feedback, and I would give feedback, and for the most part, it was like, this is fucking great. And then one thing, one time we were talking, and I said, "Oh, I love that you can kind of, kind of grab someone and use them as a human shield, and that's fun." I thought that was great. And then Dennis was like, "Yeah, we're getting rid of that." I'm like, what? 
that's awesome, dude. You can grab someone and use them as a human shield. I think that's really cool. They're like, yeah, but it's useless. Like you're never, you're never really going to use it. And then, uh, and so what they did is they kept it in. There's an achievement called Nigel Lowry, and they only kept it in because like it was already there, so it doesn't hurt to like whatever. But the, they would have taken it out otherwise. And it's just funny because they're kind of making fun of me, right? Yeah. Um, but that was that was the relationship that was built. They made they're they're able to say, yeah, it's already there. We'll leave it. It's, it's not it's harmless. And maybe it's fun for people to use one now and then. Um, but that was you know that was another kind of inflection point of like, hey, just keep our hands off of it most for the most part because these are the people with the vision. Let's let them make the game where we, you know, within reason. But let's make them let them make the game they want to make, and you know, it turned out well. And hopefully, we've carried a lot of that over. So you guys know, letting people make the, what they want to make, and most of the time, it goes really well. It does, most of the time. Most that, that was setting up Robbie's second question. Yeah, which game do you hate? I don't hate any of them. Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate any of them. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely ones I like wish turned out better or like, you know, I'd say given a better chance, like, damn, I wish this is, you know, I mean, most recently I'd say Aaliyah. Aaliyah was received pretty well, sold okay. I just feel like, you know, maybe it was, it's Devolver's fault, right? But but I thought, you know, that deserved a bigger audience and hopefully Quinn still find it, but I thought that deserved a bigger audience. But I don't think there's a game that I, I hate or thought was bad. I don't think we've done any, like what I would just say is a bad game. There's definitely games that turned out better than others. Such as? From, I don't know. <laughs> you, 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 I can tell you the ones that turned out better than others. Is that what your question was? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, there's a game, Knocked, that was very cool. And yeah. uh, I thought that was a great concept. And, you know, the developer had between, you know, uh, just life and other, uh, other things that came up. And just inability to kind of execute on it. And, you know, if Chris was here, he'd agree with me. It's not like I'm talking behind his back. But um, that was a game that I think had some really neat ideas and probably ahead of its time in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. it's certainly, if you play it now, you wouldn't think it was anything that was, um, you know, special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the promise there was was really high. Yeah. Were, there any, um, were there any games that you passed on for one reason or another that ended up being successful or proving you wrong if you weren't oh, impressed with sure. it when you saw it. For sure. I mean, there's the, like that's a constant fear, right? When you're looking at something like, yeah. am I about to pass on Roblox or whatever? Yeah. Um, we passed on, we, we had the opportunity to, um, to publish Astroneer, uh, which came out a few years ago. It's uh, mm-hmm. kind of a sandbox survival out, you know, out in space. Some pretty ingenious but pretty hardcore gameplay things. And our team saw that at GDC, the system, uh, I think the System Era is the name of the company. And uh, they came and visited us at GDC. We saw, we're all very impressed with it. But for the time, it was actually would have been one of the more expensive projects for us at the time. And our team collectively did not, myself included, did not see how that's a game, right? Um, and we were probably really behind the curve on that because, you know, I think as sandbox survival games have proved out, they can, they don't have to be gamey with like, this is my certain goal that I have to do. They can be, you know, this, and we couldn't see it. Uh, We could see all the systems being fun and how ingenious they were, but we couldn't see what makes this a game, uh, which in retrospect is ridiculous. Like we, if you took our internal conversations and, and found them and put them out, you'd be like, these guys, how are they even still in business? But like, you know, at the time we were, we, we just couldn't see it. 
And that coupled with uh, like the, again, the, the, what they were asking for wasn't wrong. It's what we could afford wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So it would have been too big of a stretch for us and we passed on it. And you know what? I still see uh, a couple of those team members, you know, at PAX and things like that. And we're friends and we talk and, and congratulate them massively because they, they ended up self-publishing, which was, you know, great for them. Um, so yeah, that was one. I can't think of anything else. I mean, there's certainly scores and scores of games that we passed on that have come out and some to, you know, some success, but I don't think, I think that was easily the one that we passed on that has then done, you know, like a million units or something like that. Um, but I don't regret it because frankly we did well and they did really well. And, um, so it's not like it's some, some ill will there either. Well, I, I, I wanted to ask about um, how you approach work, Nigel. Like, how you approach what you do, um, because I've worked with you for a long time. You always seem just so excited to be participating, uh, to be involved in the things that you're involved with. I think I've only seen you angry twice in all this time. Uh, you know, you just seem, I, I don't know, like, uh, you, how, where... What is, do you have a mantra? Do you have a, like something you do to get into a mindset? How do you, how do you approach work? It's a great question. Better than Robbie's. Robbie's asked me these mean questions about what games <laughs> do I hate. Go get them out of the way. That's my <laughs> shtick. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I think this is, there's a, what's nice is there was uh, a lot of like-minded folks here in how we approach work-life balance at Devolver. And I think that starts with, you know, Harry and, and, and Mike and Rick and Graham and myself. When we first started, it was, let's all remember that this is video games. And no decisions that we're making <laughs> are, um, are going to cure the world of its ills or, or, um, or really add, you know, more to it, right? It's still just, it's still play. It's still fun. And there are definitely times when I'm like super stressed and super angry or super whatever. But, you know, I think it, it, it helps to have those, those lows too that you had prior to Devolver. Because I worked in jobs, I worked at a grocery store, I've worked uh, everywhere. I worked a lot of different jobs and I worked in advertising, so, you know, a big company and things like that. I think it's, it's, it helps me to reflect on... Um, it could be a lot worse, you know. Everything you're doing could <laughs> yeah. be a lot worse. Yeah. Um. And and we're and we're we're, we're we may complain about uh, taking business or not business. What do you call it, economy plus or whatever to to Seattle <laughs> and staying in a convention center for four days and then going to a hotel and getting fed every night. Yeah. What a beating that is. But then you're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, we're getting the chance to do those things, and yeah. we're getting a chance to. I think what drives me the most is someone has entrusted us with their game. As hard as we may work on, uh, you know, Loop Hero as a, the most recent example. I mean, there's four guys in Russia that worked, you know, day and night probably for two years, and and at the end of this, if that's not a success, Devolver goes on. It's not mm-hmm. a success for Loop Hero and Four Quarters. Uh, you know, that's a huge problem. So I think there's, you take a lot of pressure on with that. I think if you take that, that point of view, but it also drives you to figure out how can I do something here to get this in front of people? How can I ensure its success? And so I don't know, to me, that's fun. And it's just, it's, you know, 
I started playing video games when I was six, and I never thought I'd get to, like, my job would be video games. <laughs> yeah. And right. so it's easy to, like, get, I mean, Robbie, you and I are probably the worst slash funniest at it on, on Slack when watching live streams together and just getting <laughs> really, really, like, just making fun of shit and, like, what do you call it? I don't know. That there's a word for it, but, like. Just, you know, uh, weird, funny about like, uh, what a miserable situation these, this is, is, or what a miserable thing this is. Like, I do that. But, you know, when you really sit back and, and look at it, like, how lucky are we to be able to do this, right? And I think that's like, it's it maybe the simplest way to look at it, you know, the answer question, JM, but it's, we're getting to work in video games. How could you not be excited by it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you get to play video games and get to talk to video game developers and talk to creative people. And, you know, go to events and, you know, talking to someone that may have one time talked to the person that talked to the, the created Mario. You're like, how fucking cool is that? So I don't, you know, I, my, my goal is always to, to say, hey, someone's given us this, a freaking video game to try and help market or produce. And, you know, what else, what else, would, what else could I, in the whole world, could I actually ask to uh, be, want to be doing? Yeah. It's this. I know. It's this. It's the forecast. Yeah, we talked about this on a recent episode where we talked about the things that we're grateful for. Uh, And it's hard to not just be grateful for having this job, really, (laughs) and like being at Devolver. Because it is just like, I mean, it's certainly, I think it's changed everyone's life you know, to various degrees that's joined the company. Obviously, for you guys who started it, it's a complete sea change i guess from what you were doing before but even folks like me that worked elsewhere and have come in from other agencies or different companies and things like this and then you join and it's like ah oh, it's like you're coming up for air yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah and i think it all works really incredibly considering how spread out everyone is and yeah, how no how few the opportunities are for everyone to even be in the same room it's pretty wild yeah had you had any experience kind of because i guess it's you've always worked remotely right uh as devolver yes there was a brief flirtation with an office early on we actually we we um we had a, a like a room on and and there's a street here in, near downtown called South Congress, and there was a, a room that we rented or we subleased from. Um, oh man, Jam, you know them, uh, Jenny. Yeah. Uh, anyways, doesn't not not important to the story, but we we, we would meet there like I don't know twice a week, uh, but it still was just meeting there. Like we most work was done like at my my other job when I was there or at home. But yeah, we've always been remote we never had a proper office really we only had a couple meeting spots we meet twice a week or something like that for a few hours so it's been pretty pretty seamless for us i think it's harder for folks like yourself robbie came from an office go to every day fancy downtown london office <laughs> yeah talking to other people i mean that's you know other people like anna yourself andrew like it's probably any luke it's got to be harder um you know, I was born in the darkness, right? <laughs> yeah, adopted it, it. it is. <laughs> it is. It is strange making that adjustment when you come over to the dark side. But I think you know that's another reason why JM and I, you know, talk so highly of you and are so excited to have you here to talk to us on the 
on the podcast because like i think you in particular are certainly like kind of the loudest voice on the welcoming committee and <laughs> yeah you tend to be i can only imagine how many because i know how much you and i talk on a daily basis but particularly when i first joined and i was asking you loads of questions i can only imagine how many other people are doing exactly the same thing at various different times throughout the day so the fact that you managed to you seemingly anyway we you could be falling apart behind the scenes we have no idea <laughs> <laughs> but you seem to be able to you know you you are across everything you um you're doing your job but then you seem to also just always be available you know for a side chat about anything at any time as well which has certainly helped me a lot in the last year well good yeah i mean i think that that's part like i think part of hiring people when when it was fewer it's a lot more working on everything right and and you and jm and jr in particular um and now lately uh you know tenna and kate and um, and Clara's moving the most recent, you know, taking chunks of work off, and then allows mm -hmm. me to to do more of that, like help out or and let people who are good at their better at these roles than I ever were do them, and then I can help, you know, maybe work with developers more or, or talk to them more because we get more games. There's more people to talk to every day, but you know, like I also I think it's important that you know you guys are, the, and it's, it's certainly. Uh, flattering and thank you for that but like yeah man uh gotta keep on a happy face during the day but i'm not gonna lie i'd fall apart now and then too like a lot and it's because like anybody it's hard to keep up the pace right for anybody to keep up the pace of work and talking to people and trying to be positive and move things forward you know you can ask my family like i ought to be positive with them too but like i i definitely need time alone and we'll retreat uh, to a video game or a movie or a walk or a run, which is when I say run, it's still just a walk. Um, <laughs> it's just a faster walk, I'd say maybe. But like downhill, you know, a walk downhill is a run. I think that uh, our development, yeah, exactly. I'm falling at some point. Um, you know, you talk to a lot of developers you work with, and they they struggle with that too because they're just you know consumed by things. And yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta let yourself fall apart now and then. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. Like none of this, none of what we do is easy either. You know, we, 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 going back to your question that JM had before, there's all fun in games, but you know, you want to be really good at it and you want, mm. uh, you want to do best for yourself, your coworkers and, uh, the developers that have entrusted you. And so that's a lot of pressure too. Cause there's, yeah, totally. there's a lot of celebrations we have. Uh, I know we all like to celebrate like the big wins. They're not all big wins, and there's some of them are just modest wins, and some of them are just you know we weren't able to help like we 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 had hoped, and that's that's difficult. Oh, that's very difficult because uh, someone that's worked a really long time in this game doesn't have the financial security that you do as a, at a publisher because you have multiple games. So hopefully you know we can find a work with on another game or figure out that long tail which we've been really good at you know of like hey. We didn't sell initially uh, well here, but between this program and this subscription, this, guess what? The next thing you know, um, you know, they are doing well, it's, but there's uh, that lull there. You're like, fuck, we got to figure yeah. something out here. Yeah. Because these people, you know, they trusted us and, and they, 
we, you know, we never guarantee anything to anybody. Like that's super important because you're lying, but we still entrust us. We got to figure out how to make it happen. I know what will lighten the mood. All right. <laughs> a haiku? Well, yes. Um, by the way, I think a haiku is like five syllables, seven, seven syllables, five. five syllables, right? Yeah. I made about 700 of them in Ghost of Tsushima, and I don't know why it makes you <laughs> haikus. They're all bad. Those are all bad. Oh, well, that, okay. uh, well, like, I love that game, and that was stupid. <laughs> Those well, this is a perfect segue because I was going to say what are some of the game what are the games that you like to turn to when you do need to just I don't know take a break or get away from the world. I certainly loved like my the you know uh, <clears throat> if Andrew Andrew won't listen to this because I'm on but if Andrew listen to this he'll hate this I love Red Dead Redemption games my favorite of all time both of them. And those were perfect because I feel like, you know, I just love the West. I love Texas. I love fake Texas. <laughs> and just riding around there and then seeing the simulation go, like, that was the mm-hmm. one. I, that's my favorite, like, to get away kind of thing. But, you know, it depends on the situation. Uh, the, my favorite games of all time uh, are Monkey Island 1 and Monkey Island 2. Hell yeah. Followed, followed very close by uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. But I don't play nice. those, you know, I play those now and then, like every few years or something like yeah. that. Um, but like my wife and I play a lot of Mario Tennis. Uh, we, we pour ourselves some, some drinks and, and play Mario Tennis. We play the doubles online against faceless strangers uh, from across <laughs> the world and absolutely whip their ass. Um, but it's fun. You know, that's something me and her like to do. Uh, me and the kids will play uh, Mario. If it has Mario on it, we'll play it. And, you know, that's a different kind of experience, but it is unwinding for me, except for Super Mario World 3D, this, this re-release that came out on, on Switch. That is way too high pressure. My kids are fucking terrible at it. I have to, <laughs> I have to carry those rug rats to the finish line every level, and that's way too high stress. Uh, but, but Super Mario Odyssey, they like to play. They can play that by themselves. And then, I, you know, it's funny. I don't play, like I say, I don't play AAA games, but, like, I've gotten way more into AAA games lately. Just because I'm astonished by the production value. Mm-hmm. Um, I play Warzone almost every evening with some friends in Dallas. Which is like the most bro AAA game you could ever imagine. <laughs> but, you know, it's a social thing. Like, I don't play it by mm-hmm. myself. I play mm-hmm. it with friends because it's fun. We talk. We catch up. We get into hijinks. We have a great time. <laughs> um, and, then, and Robbie turned me on to Hitman series. The first Hitman I ever played was Hitman 3. Nice. The other day. And I told Robbie, I was like, meh. Because I just did the first, like, <laughs> like they tell you, go here, do this. I'm like, okay, I'll go do this. Oh, cool, I did that. Oh, I drew with this costume on. And then I finished it, and I just, like, med the first mission. I was like, whatever. And then it shows you the screen, like, here's the six billion ways you could have done this. I'm like, oh, what? So then I spent, like, four hours getting myself in the perfect position to poison the old man. I'm like, yes, die, old man, eat that, eat that gazpacho, old man, love it. And then, you know, and then, like, on my way out, I see that there's, like, a parachute. I'm like, oh, there's a parachute on the wall? Like, I can cut this parachute? So, like, all I'm thinking about, I haven't got a chance to play again. All I can think about is how do I get in the situation where I pull some sort of alarm to make these guys grab a parachute that has a cut that I made? And, like, how delightful will that be? So, I'm, I, I like all sorts of games to answer your question. It's really a generic 
uh, generic answer. Seems like I'm kind of straddling the fence there, but I'll play everything. Just do different situations with different people. Um, I used to avoid multiplayer like a lot. Online multiplayer because yeah. I used to avoid it, but now I'm like I can see the benefit of it. I played Valheim with JM and a, and a bunch of people, and I would have never played Valheim on my own. In fact, I tried to play Valheim on my own. Like I med that so fucking hard, I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna do what now? Good luck. I'm not gonna do all this. And then like the next thing I know, like does anyone have goblin ears? I need goblin ears. Like once we're together, <laughs> it was fun. And I, I, you know, I think I finally turned the corner on like the purely social and not competitive aspect of multiplayer. So I, I'm getting more and more into that now, and, and actually look forward to some of those games. Nice. That's it. So the answer is everything that I can. That's a great cop-out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's really nice. Well worn. Mm -hmm. You are uh, the master of the (laughs) cop-out. I think we're we're almost out of time. Uh, I just want to ask you one thing. Sure. How important is bedtime? Uh, Well, okay. I I don't know if you're taking a shot at me. Uh, I'm not taking a shot at you because because I love... That you that there's a certain point at the evening okay, thank you. where you okay, go. Thank I'm you. going to bed. That has given me courage mm-hmm. to do that in my life. And, and this... it sounds silly, but there's so many times when it's like I'm going to go to mm-hmm. bed, and everyone's like, oh, mm-hmm. and then you end up staying up later than you want to, mm-hmm. and you're like not happy. And if you'd just gone to bed, mm-hmm. you would have been happier. Mm-hmm. So this is this is maybe my biggest contribution to the world, and that is uh, exactly what you just said. If you're not fucking having the best time of your life, just go to bed. Because I did this in college. They used to, they used to make fun of me um, because everyone would be out, you know, college or that age, whatever. You're 18 to 20, early 20s, and, and it's extended past college. But, like, you know, everyone wants to go out all the time. And I was like, yeah, I'll go out with you. Sure, I'll go out. And we'd have a couple of drinks. And it'd be like 10 o'clock, I don't know, like a Wednesday. And everyone's like trying to fire off shots because they're forcing the issue, right? They're chasing the night, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. They're throwing deep, like Hail Mary. Like, that's all you're doing. You know, everyone can look around. If everyone step back and look at it and go, this ain't going to end. No one's getting laid. What is it? We're not going to, we're not getting a car chase tonight. This is not, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> and I look at those situations. I always step back and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm fucking bored. I'm going to bed. Uh, and then I would just leave. And then I got hassled so much by my friends in college or like early 20s. Or like, they would literally sing, uh, I think this is a Simpsons reference, Old Man Nigel ain't what he used to be. And, and I had to walk through the entire bar as people are singing this at me. But rest assured, did not bother me in the slightest. Because the idea of going home going to sleep, I love sleep. I love it. And so we'll go to mm-hmm. PAX. This is what I was alluding to, Ro- uh, to Robbie, to Jam. You know, I thought I was maybe taking a shot because I 100% do that at PAX. Like, okay, what's our plan? Dinner? Cool. What's the plan after that? Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. I'm going to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I encourage everyone to, like, everyone go nuts. Go, go crazy. But, uh, you know, I'd rather just, uh, that's a hotel room. Do you know that there's a hotel room there? You know <laughs> Nobody else is in that hotel room. You know what else is in that hotel room? A fucking bed. Like, I'm going to just burn one outside and go to sleep. It's going to be great. I distinctly remember one day where I was just feeling really burned out and all I did was spend a whole day in the hotel room, ordered room service and I watched ESPN all day. Yeah. And then in the evening, I think you just text me and you were just like, hey, what's up? And I was like, oh, sorry. Like, I just, I needed to take a day out today. And you were just like, that's perfect (laughs) and i was like people need that i was like oh yeah it really was because like sometimes it feels like 
that that pressure is real, particularly yeah, when everyone's sure. all together. And it is fun when we're all together, but yeah, God, but then you're constantly to... on. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. want to turn. You got to turn off. This is what I was talking about earlier. You got to turn off some point, and uh, maybe you don't need to just. You know, some of the best times have been at PAX for sure, and like chasing mm-hmm. the night or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I think it was the last PAX South we did. I was pretty drunk with Dose One on a fucking rental scooter going 50 miles an hour down a <laughs> bumpy sidewalk. I'm like, in retrospect, 100 percent should have. Both of us should have been dead. <laughs> I got so much air at one point. I was like, "This is this is they should not let you just rent these things." Um, and it was a great, great night. Had the best night. And but every other night, I'm sure I was in bed by like ten or eleven. And you know, to me, you just gotta you know choose your battles. That's Beautiful. Great. I admire it. Thanks, man. I hope I hope that everyone listening and then these co-hosts here, these handsome co-hosts, just really think about when you're going through life. Should I just go to bed? That should be the first question you ask. I mean, it could be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> should I just go to bed? The answer is going to be yes. You should go to bed. I was going to say, it's 7.35 in the evening here. It's still daylight outside. Uh-huh. But all this bed talk has already got me thinking about just uh, calling it a night. <laughs> yeah. It's 11.34 in the morning here. And as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do it for the night. It could be a nap. It could be a power nap. It could be whatever. Yeah. Uh, but go to bed. Yeah. I take breaks at like the party nights. I like I go outside just by myself for a while. Good idea, so I man. Can, you know, turn off and Yay. just be like, all right, I'm just gonna breathe and look at the outside of this building and all these weird strangers downtown at night in whatever town we're in. Totally. What they're doing. Totally. Yeah, you're very good at the disappearing, reappearing act. Sometimes with a costume <laughs> change as well. <laughs> yeah, like a full-on steampunk get-up and shit. You're like, <laughs> yeah. taking the time nigel it has been a genuine pleasure i admire i was telling uh mrs lowry for us big time mrs lowry last night uh my wife not my mom um, (laughs) that i would my mom just want to hear about you guys but i was saying hey i'm going on the podcast with robbie and jam it's been a whole year i've been secretly hoping they'd invite me one day and i've been uh, very delighted that you have because you guys have been absolutely killing on this there's been some fun stuff on here uh, I listen to one with, I think, Kate and uh, Clara and a few of them. I, I ignore anything with Andrew because I can't stand the, the sound of his voice. Yeah, but everything else is great. having him on. Yeah, no, obviously everyone does. Look at the numbers. Um, yeah. And, but I really, thanks for you guys for even taking the initiative to do the forecast. I think it's fucking really cool and a great addition to what Devolver does. And so, everyone that's listening, be grateful for Robbie and JM. well that is where we will end it because i can't think of anything else to say thanks for listening everybody
<laughs> I nearly, I nearly went into Lion King then, but I stopped myself. Right, okay, we can press. Yeah, we can.